Thank you for listening to the Spare Change Podcast. Finance knows no limits. Today, Brandon Childers and I discuss Mill MoneyCon and our experiences there. Welcome to the Spare Change Podcast. Today, I have Brandon Childers on once again, and we will be discussing Mill MoneyCon 22, where we went up to Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina at the Embassy Suites uh, for an event hosted by Lacey Lankford from the Mill Money, Mill Money Show or Mill Money Expert. She's got a bunch of different titles to her name. Um, very thorough and professional in the realm of finances in the military. Brandon, how was your experience at Mill Money Con? Oh, just awesome. It exceeded my expectations, which were already high because uh, you know, I was a listener of Lacey's podcast and uh, just has such an incredible network of professionals helping the veteran community in the realm of finance. Like you said, this was our first, first annual conference and it, it so far exceeded uh, what I could have hoped for in terms of the information that was shared, the connections that were made, um, and uh, just just across the board, it was a, it was a really positive experience. Um, how about you? Well, how were your connections, and what, you, what were your takeaways? Uh, so I definitely learned a lot more than what I initially thought it was all going to be about. So my my outside perspective was going to be primarily people who are already in the financial industry discussing the financial industry as a whole. As, as we dove into the first three days, I really realized um, th- this is a large collaboration. I think there were a total of 115 people registered for the event, somewhere close to that, from all walks, um, talking how do you increase your business efficiency and scale and grow your business in social media, how to create a podcast and develop an audience and continue content. Those things were really interesting to me as someone who's uh, very business minded and has a podcast. And then, and then the financial side of things, I've, I've learned a lot there that actually augmented some things that I was already doing, working with a firm and trying to get licensed as a financial advisor, still part of that process. But also I learned what CFPs were, certified financial planners and um, AFCs, all, all these all these new terms uh, Just like that were the being military, discussed. It's chock full of acronyms. I have no idea what's going on. For, it was a lot of exposure to what I didn't know uh, in that realm. Did you find a lot of words that you weren't familiar with? Um, so one of, one of the first events we went to was the keynote address on the first day. And there I learned what a pair planner was and following on from that track, associate planner, lead planner and partner within all of the aspects of a financial firm, as well as, um, the different paths you can take to be in the world of finance, but not necessarily be hands-on with clients. Um, I think the main point that Alex Hopkins, she, she was the, one of the keynote speakers there. And she spoke to the idea that as a pair planner, um, you can, you can live outside of the financial industry. You're not client facing. So you're not going out to people direct. Most of your clients are already existing within a firm and you can discuss with them. You can, help them meet their goals outside of the role of what a direct to client financial planner would be doing. Sean Gillespie, one of the early speakers, made this point that you don't need a planner as much as you need a plan. 
there's a bazillion different routes you can take. Um, right. Fee, no fee. Um, it's a broad landscape uh, of services available. And I think that that was a little bit centric to the theme of the problem. Oh my goodness, there's so much going on here. Where do we, where do we begin? So the, the overlap between the finance community and the military community you know, we're in the center ring of that Venn diagram. It's really starting to translate some of this language into, um, you know, the, the speak of our people, which uh, does not know what a fiduciary is, for example. Right. Now, what, um, did you have a, a talk that stood out to you? As, um, yeah, so actually I wanted to bring this up. Um, didn't really matter where we brought it up at, but Nick Bradfield, um, his discussion on the entrepreneurial operating system or EOS and what his perspective brought as someone who doesn't yet own a business and is in the very planning phases of it. I think there's a lot to be said for bringing your, your people to a table and discussing, Hey, we have a lot of problems but what what actions are we taking to achieve results and and it can be worded a lot of ways my my preferred method to describe that process is more often than not i rely on par statements i I use them in my resume i use them to discuss issues or conflicts when i'm in conversation with somebody and i i use them in a business sense i think his was worded slightly uh differently there there were meetings where it would last 90 minutes is what he described so you would use 15 minutes on the front end to discuss if you hit or miss a topic or or what whatever your goals were assigned to you and then without explaining oh well here's here's why or here's an excuse as to why we're not accomplishing a goal you then go into 60 minutes of discussion like what do we need to do what resolutions can we put in place today that will achieve the results that we set out to achieve in the start. In the back end, um, after that first 75 minutes, you toss on the last 15 to meet your 90, and that that is discussing results or discussing the way forward um, as, as a means of task development and introducing a structured way of thinking that will achieve a result or your your desired outcome. It's um, very uh, forward-looking, uh, you know, especially in terms of not spending a lot of time justifying why you did or didn't meet a goal. Uh, it, yes or no? Okay, it doesn't matter. What's next? Uh, how do we progress? And what will it look like if we get it right? I was really a big fan of, of that layout. And one of the things he said was uh, to, to work on not in the problem uh, that you've got to be able to zoom out and, and take a you know, kind of a holistic view of what's going on and you know as you begin working on a problem you really get sucked into it and when when you're inside the problem you're not as effective as working on it as you would be uh, external to the problem so another poem he said uh, that I felt has summarized a lot of my uh, trying to make sense of all this fire hydrant of information is if I had more time, I'd have written less, which is, uh, he said it's been attributed to a, a few, you know, Mark Twain or uh, Churchill said it. I don't know whose quote it is, but he said it. And I thought it was, again, speaking to the, oh my goodness, this is a lot of information. Where do we begin? You know, and uh, the veteran community 
in general. We, uh, you know, you can't boil the ocean. Um, uh, we're all pretty, not all, a lot of us are super capable of this, like, hyper-focus, just get the job done mentality. But what you said about, like, a roundtable discussion about right. the issues at hand, that really resonates with the junior enlisted often didn't get involved in the decision-making process. We're wicked good at getting it done, but gee, are we a little bit curious about why and how we're doing that? So it really is awesome to see that light bulb click in people that get that, you know, the voice for the first time. It it speaks to the talent pool that's transitioning uh, into these fields, uh, which was exciting for me to see you there. It's so fresh, fresh out of the military. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm still within my 30 days. Right? So, like, (laughs) As opposed to we had retirees there, um, just a, a wealth of knowledge. And the, and another theme central was I wish I knew this earlier. So if we know that there's all this information out there, uh, and that we golly I wish I had learned this yesterday. Well, okay, now we have the message we want to deliver, which we've had. Now the question is how do we deliver it? upstream in a way that is interesting and digestible to the audience, which has traditionally not been met based on the finance classes I sat through when I was in. Um, perhaps you had a similar experience. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually believe I really lucked out early on. Um, I had, I had our section's deputy officer in charge. He, he really, led the financial conversation among the lower ranks and his his discussions were well what what do you want to talk about and he would he would hit the questions where they were and then he would propose an idea it was really cool to see just the gamut of perspective from the you know still active the freshly transitioned that been out for five years that been out for 20 years um, but then also within all of those, uh, and from the junior enlisted up through, you know, there's colonels and generals there. So yeah, across the seniority of rank and time in service, time out of service, there's a lot of diversity of thought, and which is always the beautiful thing that you're trying to cultivate anywhere that you're trying to innovate or educate and improve. Uh, no, but to that point, um, so many fruitful connections were made. I think I'm going to end up getting at least a job or two out of uh, No Money Con. I will absolutely be there next year. Uh, and as we discussed with, uh, you know, a synthesized uh, perspective on the first year takeaways, you know, as a first annual conference, it was the second first annual military veteran conference I have been to so far this year, um, which is exciting. We're on the front wave of, you know, a new, the wars are over. Everybody's back. We got the, you know, uh, fresh perspectives, big ideas, GI Bill, a lot of, uh, you know, resources ready to be applied to the problems that gauntlet of problems ahead of us. Uh, so, you know, at this point, uh, it's just about equitable distribution of the resources and making everybody in the pipeline aware uh, that the resources are available and their ideas matter. Um, and anybody from anywhere can come up with a good idea and pursue it and build it and, um, yeah, make, and improve the scenario. If I could share a story briefly from the first conference, uh, which was uh, Mill Vet Startup Con in San Francisco. 
sure. uh, which is in February, which I, Tim Sai uh, organized that event, and he started off the conference with the story about America is a startup. And it was really funny. Uh, uh, America is a startup. He had a picture of uh, like Washington crossing the river. And, like, you're going to have to work weekends. <laughs> and, like, you're, but the, the big, it was about making success out of failures and the battle of Bunker Hill, uh, which, the, you know, I guess the, <clears throat> the Americans, like, we lost the shit out of that battle. Uh, and it, it wasn't even Bunker Hill, it was Reed Hill. And we, we lost our asses, but we survived. You know, you don't have to win the battle. If you survive, you're still on the fight. So what they did is, is instead of saying we lost the battle of Reed Hill, they renamed it Bunker Hill, and they said they won. And they made this big victory out of a loss that provided them with this morale and momentum to keep fighting. And, you know, we still live in America today uh, under the American flag. They didn't stop there and say, oh, man, we lost. Uh, you know, at the beginning, I was fumbling through my words and couldn't remember what I was going to say. And, you know, in five minutes ago, when we were about to get booted off the Zoom, like, that's always the fear. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to get on camera. I'm an idiot. I don't want to. I'm going to do it live. That sounds terrible. Yeah, well, I've consistently made mistakes. Uh, I'll make more. It's okay. Like, it's more about just kind of establishing that, uh, you know, the good intent. And that's what's so warm and special about No Money Con is, like, again, that the the intersection of the Venn diagram of people that are really, you know, by and for veterans. And uh, it's just nice to be able to let your guard down and learn about topics that are usually, you know, you have to be so on guard and skeptical about. Not to say you don't still have to be, but how are you supposed to learn in a place where you're so uncomfortable? You know, I think opening the dialogue and creating a comfortable place for people to come and ask their questions and learn about the things they didn't know they didn't know about. Um, you know, that's, you don't get real good improvement if you can't break down those barriers and traditionally they've been difficult barriers to overcome, but the connection and camaraderie we have in the military really allows, uh, the trust necessary to build the relationships we need to, to learn honest to goodness, complex topics that are difficult to wrap your head around. Um, and you know, I mean, the, the small town I went to, you know, to, to high school in, it was, we, it was a joke. I'm not smart enough to learn that. I'm not going to try. Like it was easy right. to discredit yourself as I'm a big dumb, dumb, not going to try. Well, that attitude doesn't work. You know, you don't, you don't, you're not allowed to get away with that, uh, in certain circumstances. So why let it in this one that like so heavily affects all of us? I think there's like such a good, I don't know, uh, we're obviously super niche down to the junior Marine population. Uh, I see a huge opportunity to like use friendly competition to learn together in the same way that you exercise together or accomplish any task together. But on a broader scale, creating a place where people that come from small towns in Georgia can you know, climb the socioeconomic ladder and then come say, you know, I, I got my advice from these people and they looked out for me. You know, that, that word of mouth trust is really the best thing that we have 
in we're talking about advice here. We're not talking about just just a product. This isn't a can of soda. This is like an investment in your future. So it's you know it's a really important. Uh, the, the trust piece is huge, and and you can feel everybody in the room striving for it, and it's refreshing because uh, because it, it demands transparency. That again, we I don't feel that we enjoyed the luxury of as lance corporals. Um, following, following up on one of the things you spoke on, um, the the event really did open the dialogue and in, in a way that I didn't expect and I'm sure not many people expected. Um, they actually brought in the director of the Department of Defense Office for Financial Readiness, Mr. Andrew Cohen, and some of the things that I highlighted that he discussed um, in, in times like the times that we're in, i.e. Uh, a global pandemic, um, global economic stress based on the war in Russia and Ukraine. We're, we're starting to see an increase in stress, but a reduction in the overall satisfaction, readiness, and retention in the military. And some of those pain points in, in hard times will breed those solutions and those discussions that need to be had. Um, I, I know you asked specifically a question about the effectiveness of um, an app that was developed by the DOD to discuss finances um, and change the perspective on finances. And then the question that I asked had to do with reaching that bottom line in a more effective way by putting the onus on leadership um, and, and their, their rhythm for attacking the financial problem in the military um, focused initially on training and then following on with counseling um, and then you take those metrics and you assess and you develop a product to protect. protect um, and those are some of the highlights that I took away. Uh, but that, that was the cap on the first day was his speech. Um, you can share your insights as well. The, uh, for, it was so very awesome uh, for him to come down and talk to us and to share that, that insight. And again, as Lance Corporal's not usually a room you get to sit in and a perspective you get to hear. So it was awesome to feel... Uh, always feels good to get a glimpse behind the curtain and feel like you're in the in crowd uh so as you were saying there's 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 stress there's tension there's friction there's difficulty in retention and there's conflict like there's there's, this, there's stressful times upon us uh the theme of his talk that i i picked up is quality of information making it to the top where the solutions are coming from and it's a bad telephone game and this is again we don't often get invited to the table so i was excited for the chance to tell mr cohen you're getting lied to when you walk onto a base and have three privates stand at parade rest and tell you what they think about your product they're not telling you what they think about the product they're they're saying well we love it we love it it's great they're trying not to get yelled at and there's no way to innovate a technology product or or any product where the end user really needs a good solution. Uh, we just don't have the room for 
people standing at parade rest and giving the answers they want to hear. You need real cultural insights that can primarily only come from within. So the the app that I asked him about, as I understand it, it's not it's not the it's not the DOD's app. It's the app that the DOD it's the horse they bet on, um, and it had a a substantial budget. Um, not the entire budget wasn't allocated towards it, but and again, this is my understanding based off the public information. Uh, yeah, and I I want to see it do well, but it's not doing good because it's a fire hydrant of information that is not packaged to speak the language of the end user. Uh, and it's frustrating both as a service member and a taxpayer to see the amount of resources that go into dead-end solutions because of bad intel. Uh, and like, it's, you know, on a, you know, on the news shows when they'll take a black light into a hotel and kind of highlight what people are actually sleeping in and it's alarming. It's not good for the hotel business, uh, but the consumer deserves to sleep in a clean hotel bed. You should be able to trust that it doesn't light up like a Christmas tree when you turn a black light on it. Well, I think the same thing for the American service member or the American taxpayer. Like we should have the trust that things are as they seem, and it's just that doesn't exist because people have not, uh, you know, you're not able to make informed decisions. And so much of this realm has been intentionally hazy, intentionally deceptive. Um, and, you know, that's fine that it worked uh, in, in the past. It's not fine. It is terrible and dirty. But the cat's out of the bag. Uh, for better or worse, the Internet connectivity and, you know, the connectivity we're experiencing and the transparency it's bringing, everything's going to come out in the wash. We've got black lights. If you've got something to cover, you ought to clean it up because... Uh, I don't know, to any industry, uh, and especially the banking industry, you know, no, no industry is immune to innovation. Uh, a new company will come along and figure out a better way to address the problem of the customer that the old client used to serve. Tesla was not the biggest car company when we were children. Now they are. And by the time, you know, we're 60, there will probably be a new, new company that is outrun them because... That's how innovation works. And it's, it is counterintuitive to the square-wheeled nature of the solutions that we often limit ourselves to, uh, as it seems from the junior enlisted perspective. Um, but again, and in getting invited here and getting to see the connections being made and the hands that were being shaken, uh, it's really inspiring. And uh, it, it makes me optimistic about the solutions that are available and the, the, just the good people that are working on the problems that are really difficult for the veteran population. Talking about uh, days two and three, because we just went over day one, and it was very extensive, and a lot of what we just went through was very much the experience. It was jumping in, getting our feet wet, and like encountering large amounts of new information that we're not familiar with the things we have between our ears yet. so one of the things that I was interested in in the second day, um, Sharita Humphrey, she went over doing business with the government and increasing profit margins for your small business. Um, two of the things I'd like to highlight, I think it's like my first three bullets. Um, 
veterans are 45% more likely to be self-employed, um, whether post-service or active duty. Um, following that with one in 10 small businesses are veteran-owned. Um, you, you can speak to that point more fluently than I can as you're already in that position of running and operating a business. And then veteran-owned businesses and, businesses and firms employ 5.8 million individuals, which I, I'd say is very, very significant considering the number of people who are in the military versus the number of people veterans employ. Sure, sure. Definitely interesting numbers to look at, but what another statistic, uh, after World War II, you know, like maybe 4.2 million service members came home, and half of them started a new business, one out of two. Today, 5% are starting businesses, one out of 20. Uh, that's not a good, that's not a good direction, right? right. Uh, so, I mean, the likelihood of a veteran or a service member being, uh, it's more common for service members to become entrepreneurial, but there's still a huge shift away from entrepreneurship you know, nationally. And I think that it's related to this, uh, you know, smile saying like the social upward mobility problem and the wealth divide. Uh, you know, there's a number of metrics that we can look at and say, okay, these populations are really suffering. You know, we're if we look upstream, oh well, wow, a, a substantial portion of the available resources are being held by a smaller and smaller group of people. Now that's that's the capitalism that we we know and love. Uh, and I think that that's the depressing tailspin that a lot of veterans go through is the service orientation and camaraderie that you experience in a tight group of people that is nothing remotely similar to the competitive atmosphere the experience in the real world where people will drive their Mercedes over your homeless body. They don't care. There's, it's just different and it sucks. Uh, it's individualistic and it's the scum of our society and it's depressing. However, and as Mr. Cohen said, that type of misery and suffering, you know, a silver lining to that dark, dark cloud is the innovation that can stem from it. And to see the people that are innovating the problems that we all recognize um, collectively and with a focus on solutions, not profit margins. Um, I, I do believe that these problems not only can be solved this way, but have no choice to, but to be solved this way. And once we get our ducks in a row, the individualistic mindset doesn't hold a stick to organized collectivism. It, whatever industry that applies to, you know, like enjoy it while it lasts, but better solutions are coming and they're going to be done transparently. They're going to be done more effectively and with the transparency you can hold up and point to. I assure you that this, this, the algorithms that those solutions are going to replace cannot offer that same uh, level of transparency because they were built with intentional deception. Deception that has led to societal problems that were never fathomed when the products were released because that's the nature of technology. It introduce you know you fix one problem you introduce another, and if the solutions aren't sought after with a thoughtful approach to both ends of that bell curve, both tails, you can drive engagement, sure. But what are the consequences? You 
know, what are the eating disorders you're introducing to middle school girls? What are the suicide problems you're introducing to minority populations? What are the, uh, the nature of studying minority, you know, uh, minority and underpopulated, underrepresented populations is you're never going to reach all of them. We can spend time discussing the people that aren't at the table. We're not getting their perspective. And there's still somebody, a perspective we haven't yet considered. That's unfortunately unavoidable. But what you can do is take an approach where you recognize what you don't know and that you know that you don't know and come to a collective agreement on the confusion you're trying to address instead of just pursuing things the way we do business because it's the way we do business. Well, there's an elephant in the room, and it's, it's, it's harming a lot of people. So again, it's just uh, diverse voices yeah. in the room, and it, it, it drives solutions that you don't get when everybody's patting themselves on the back. Yeah, I, I think there's growing opportunity, um, and, like, and like you said, where, where we're developing technology and improving as a society in that aspect, you're also creating, not a gap, but um, you're, you're creating space when technology improves for there to be more transparency and for those issues to come to light that have been developed over years of, let's say, the wrong solutions or uh, missed opportunities in the past. I think even though the metrics might have slumped, I think there there's a, there's a growing opportunity and growing resources based on those new highlighted issues that, that we talk about. Um, and, and people who are disadvantaged are starting to grow into the space as well um, in the aspects of like minority-owned businesses, uh, women-owned small businesses, th things like that. There's a growing opportunity to fix some of those problems. Not saying it'll be overnight, but I, I do like the idea um, that Mill Money Con offered a very business perspective as well as the financial industry or the social media um, aspect of things in the finance industry and military community. Um, th there was a focus on improving business relations. Lacey created a psychologically safe place for people to come and connect and say, I don't know what that is. Will you tell me? Uh, and I think that that's the education that can happen in that type of environment far surpasses standing at parade rest saying, yes, I understand to things that you just don't get. In social work, there's this dream that people the people that need help will find it. And it's just so frustratingly often not the case where there's resources available that just don't get connected to the, the people that you're trying to help. How do you go about this? So I think that, you know, some of the methods that Lacey implemented into the conference uh, to, you know, to make comfortable spaces for people who consider themselves to be introverts. How do they uh, share an idea right. in a place that is so overwhelmed by the talkers? Um, well, she, she had a plan for that. She had a, the Make Your Point board uh, where everybody, anybody could go up at any time throughout the conference, middle of the night, uh, and write a point on a whiteboard and everybody else could vote for it. Um, <clears throat> and then all those people had a chance to address the entire room. I think that's such a cool way to bring up things that you didn't know that you didn't know. Uh, it's just a, a public bulletin board. Um, Right. The other, uh, everybody's working so hard on such a similar problem, but it's like a middle school band. It's just chaos in the room. Like what we really need is a conductor to come get us all on the same beat. And I think people like 
Lacey and Tim Sai and you know people and in their families and teams and you know there's a lot that goes into these conferences. Um, they're huge to produce and to orchestrate and put on. But but that's exactly what they are. Is they're orchestrated and it's orchestrating a band that wants to play together but just otherwise doesn't know how. Right. Um, high highs and low lows. You know the, it's a tough culture to be an 18 through 23 year old in. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's it's just really inspiring, you know. To if if you're in the barracks listening, you know, there's a uh, you're not alone, and there's very much people forging the path ahead, um, creating opportunities for you know whatever your interest is. Uh, you know, you can weave baskets, you can lay brick, you can be a hedge fund manager, anything in between. It's I just saw recently. Uh, the university, like the top 10 universities and how many startup companies came from them and like, you know, where startups come from from across the country. So many of them are from Harvard, Stanford, USC, and UCLA. Um, there's just like five or 10 schools that are prominently, this is where the startups come from. None of them were from where I come from in Georgia. So if you have no connection to the world that you'd like to be able to get into, it's really hard to tap into it. It takes a special type of character and pizzazz to stumble into something that you're unfamiliar with and uncomfortable with and say, I'm here to learn. Uh, that's much easier to do when you recognize your people in those groups and you can approach and say, hey, I'm a Marine from Georgia too. How did you start your career at Facebook or at, you know, fill in the blank, Google, any company. And I just, like, I, I applied to a lot of the those jobs just because it's the crapshoot, the pipe dream, shoot for the moon. I'm going to get a job at Google. Uh, I didn't end up getting those jobs yet, but the, uh, the sky is the limit. And that's the point. If, if you come from a place where your sky is, you don't have as broad of a, a skyline view as, as you could have, like the capacity for your potential is bigger than you can currently imagine. Yeah. Um, don't, do you agree with that? Uh, I like, think another uh, great point within that is no matter what walk of life you come from, whether you have struck it rich and you are a trust fund baby, just you've got your path ahead of you. Dad's got like 18 companies for you to choose a job at. Or you're disadvantaged and you're living off of less than what the opportunities that you have are i.e. you're you're starving but there's a program that could help you but you just don't know things that we've talked about where th there's always something that you don't know from my perspective and it's beautiful in a way that that creates not only a hunger to improve your basis for knowledge but also there will never be an opportunity that you can't grow into. I think there's always room for improvement. Um, the, and speaking specifically in finance, I, I think that rings true. The, the limiting factor is the mindset. It's not the nature, or it's not your biology, and it's not the nurture, your background. Uh, you know, there is science to demonstrate that your positive mindset can overcome both of those hurdles. Marines get taught a mental fortitude in boot camp to, to like push through the, the physical pain and figure out how to push your body past its limits. Awesome. That's great to be able to do physically. You can very much 
do it mentally and, and push yourself to new bounds in education or any, any anything anything and that's I guess like if I had more time I'd written less the point is like pick you have to have a direction it's too difficult to the culture to stumble in and hope to get lucky but if you go in and with a plan and say I would sure like to be something in the realm of this get a general direction there is very much a network to help guide you and carry you across the mosh pit to deliver you there if you know where you want to go but again you just you can't hope to get lucky you gotta at least pick a direction for yourself Oof. so that your network can help get you there and, and I think that ties back to the initial like parts of this discussion where rather than having unlimited choice where you, you can talk to so-and-so or you could apply for this grant or XYZ having a plan and having thought dedicated to a goal is the ultimate solution in every aspect um, whether it's social media whether it's a business whether it's your personal finances whether it's you trying to help others in any of those areas if you're not planning for that you're setting yourself up to fail um, in a lot of cases so I think not planning is planning to fail. Is that the yeah, one? That, that's yeah. And like, and like Sean Sean Gillespie said, you don't need a planner. You need a plan, and your plan is not going to reflect the way it turns out. You're going to crash and burn a hundred times. But if the plan orients you in the direction of a goal, and the goal is primary, you'll overcome all those other. You'll 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 pay Zoom in the middle of the call to keep it going and figure it out Got and it. figure it out on the backside because it's what you do. You definitely have more to converse about in the realm of No Money Con. Again, I'll, I will 100% be there next year. It was, it was such a positive experience. Um, it, can, it just can, it brought so many good people doing so many good things together. It gave us a chance to meet in person for the first time. You know, anybody listening has any questions about you know uh, transitioning, uh, picking a vocation or a job or a profession or a career, uh, whether it be in finance, technology, agriculture, anything. There's a, If you don't know what job title you want and you don't know what company you want to work at, think about an industry you might be interested in getting into. Um, I, nobody told me that until I got into grad school, and I, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. And like halfway through grad school, somebody paint, broke it down. Like You don't have to think about it as a job or a, even a company, but like an entire industry. Uh, you know, change the way you're thinking about it, reorganize, and then go back in with the way that you were thinking about. Um, you know, if, if you're looking for a new car, what's more important to you, having a, a stick shift or it being red? You know, who gives a shit what color it is? Like, change your search criteria. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I always enjoy talking to you, Dawson. You really, uh... I appreciate your time, man. Um, yeah. If anybody, like like you said, if anybody has questions, um, I think we touched a lot of what the conceptualized No Money Con, um, what it was and what it will be looking forward. It is a huge opportunity for the worlds of finance and military industries to meet. Um, there, there are some tagalongs such as social media experts and business experts that really helped tie the bow on everything and make, make such an oppor opportunity and experience for everyone there. Um, I'll be sharing resources in the description below as well as links to my uh, social media, Brandon's social media, and 
all of uh, all of the ideas and concepts are here and available to be discussed. So if you would like, please feel free to reach out to either one of us. Our, our social media will be in the link to follow below. And I encourage anyone who enjoyed this discussion to share and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Spare Change Podcast. Please follow, share, and remember, finance knows no limits.